Hello, you know me, I'm Victoria, and I have a special guest with me today. And Well, two special guests with me today. We have Raleigh, who's a super cute little mini American Shepherd, who I've known for many, many, many years. And we have her handler, who is equally cute and adorable, and I've known her for as many years, Shane. Hi, guys. And Shane's been on the podcast before, which I had forgotten you were on the podcast before we talked about flights, apparently, mm. and traveling. Mm-hmm. James was telling me about it the other day. He was like, Shane, is that the one? And I was like, yes, it would be. It is. It's been a while. Right? Well, if someone's been jet-setting it to Ukraine. Yeah. A little all over the place there. <laughs> then something about, I hear you've been seeing a whole bunch of the Magic Mike. Mm-hmm. Was it Magic Mike Broadway uh, yeah. shows stuff? Oh, yeah. So. A all over the place. Yeah, that's what happens whenever you're talented and everybody wants to be with you. I don't know about that, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so Shane's visiting for a few days, so I, I bugged her. I said, hey, you want to do a podcast? Here's a list. And what she chose to talk about with y'all today is, can I get a service dog for anxiety? And if so, what to consider breed-wise? And just to give you a heads up while we're talking with you today, we are having awesome brownies that she made. Their Ghirardelli, what were they, the double chocolate? Mm -hmm. With ice cream. So she chose chocolate with uh, peanut butter swirl, and I chose like caramel pecan praline something. It was a long name on Blue Bunny, but it sounded good, and it was BOGO, so we BOGO'd. So can I get a service dog for anxiety? Yes, depending, maybe, no. I don't know. Here's some things that we, we... look at when we're talking with people is do you have an official diagnosis or is this something that you've self-diagnosed? And that's not just true with anxiety. That's true across the board because oftentimes as we talk to people, they have self-diagnosed many different disabilities that they think they have and they need a service dog for, but we need the official diagnosis from therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, doctor. Whoever their medical professional is. Yeah, medical professional. And do they think that you would benefit from having said service dog? Because especially when you're talking about anxiety, there's so many other things to consider when you're thinking about a service dog to help you with that. You know, you have to take in consideration what kind of tasks would benefit me and help benefit my, you know, whatever process you're on into handling your own anxiety you know is this going to hinder me or is it actually going to help me integrate back into having a quote-unquote normal life you know there's so many things to really consider with that and I think that's a huge point because a lot of times the tasks that people want whenever they first talk to me are tasks that may not be able to help them move forward right they're tasks that kind of keep them where they're at and you know don't help them well i think it causes them to regress instead of making forward progress so what you want to take into consideration with any kind of service dog or with any kind of treatment plan that you and your medical provider have come up with you know you don't want to make things worse like something i think a lot of handlers forget when they start their path to training their service dog or getting their service dog and it's primarily for anxiety is you're going to draw a lot of public attention oh yeah so much public attention and if you already have a hard time dealing with 
being the center of attention with uh, having strangers come up to you constantly with, you know, questions, with trying to pet your dog, with... Sneaking pet your dog. Yeah, and, you know, all these crazy things. Like, that's something to really keep in mind. Is this going to help you or is this going to hinder you? Uh, And for some people with anxiety, that is actually a hindrance. They actually struggle a lot more with that element and make backwards progress, which is what they don't want. Yeah, I've found that whenever we're training the service dogs, you know, sometimes we train them up for dogs, for people who have anxiety. Hi, honey, we're doing a podcast. Are you joining us? I see you have ice cream and a brownie. Um, no, I am not joining in, but, uh... Well, we're... Bit, we're I'll recording. Okay, thank you. You're so kind and thoughtful. <laughs> we're back in the bedroom and Rich just joined us. Um, that was him talking. So, yeah, we've worked with people who we've, you know, we've worked with them on training up their service dog for, you know, helping with their anxiety. And afterwards they say, I wish I went enough because it, it didn't help. So I always do recommend, if you can... If you have a friend who has a service dog, you know, go out with them a few times. See what it's like. If you don't, maybe you can reach out in some groups and find someone who's normal. Some of those service dog groups are so toxic. I steer clear of them unless they're mine or Shane's. Yeah, I mean, but there are a few that are really good resources that you can find some other handlers local to you that don't mind if you come shadow and just see what a normal day with a service dog is like. Even if you reach out, if you find a prospective trainer that you like, yeah. you know, most of the time if you reach out, be like, hey, I'm considering doing this. Um, is it possible that I come out with you and just see what it's like to be out in public with a service dog for a day? That's, I mean, that is incredibly important to take into consideration because it is a totally different experience. And it's one thing I've invited people to come down and do that. Mm-hmm. When I talk to people, because I talk to people all over the country, and I remember one of them was in Kentucky. Well, we placed a puppy recently in Kentucky, yeah. and she's a wonderful person. You know, um, the the pup and the, her owner and her family, like, I love them. And so I reached out to them, and I said, hey, I've got somebody I think they should do, you know, an outing with the service dog team. And, of course, I, I recommended you. Is it okay to pass on your contact information? And she said, of course it is. And we did it. I don't know. Last I had talked to her, nothing had come of it, which was kind of disappointing. But maybe the person realized that, you know, maybe I don't want one now. And that's another key is just because you might not be ideal to have a service dog now does not mean never. It means not now. So that's something, you know, is your lifestyle set up for having a service dog. And that's okay if it's not right now. Oh, totally. Not everybody is ready for that kind of lifestyle was a huge lifestyle change because not only when you're going out do you have to get yourself ready you also have to get your dog ready and be prepared for your dog and what they might encounter throughout the day too and some for some handlers that's anxiety inducing on its own is trying to get somebody else ready and consider that there is somebody else in the equation of just going to the grocery store mm. oh, most definitely you know, it's like having another, you know, for anybody that has children, it's like having another child. Yeah, yep, a child who can't talk to you. Well, some children can't talk to you. Some children can. But you have to pack a bag for the for the dog. Uh, we're in Florida. It is the end of July. It is hot as blazes outside. 
We have to pack booties. We have to pack extra water. We have to make sure we have the water bowls. We have to maybe do a cooling vest or little fans for them. We have to remember their leashes, their collars, their uh, service dog vests, uh, little toys, food, the right food to make sure they don't get tummy aches in case they get tummy aches uh, if you switch them up too quickly. So there's a bunch of considerations that you have to make. So it's not just getting me ready. And like Rich was constantly late for everything. Yeah. So when we got married, I told him the wrong time. Aww. I told him like an hour beforehand and he gets to the church actually on time which was an hour before we were supposed to be there you know yeah and he was like where is everybody (laughs) but yeah so we we have a lot of considerations what tasks do you like shane for anxiety hi i mean it's very generic and i think a lot of service dog handlers actually have this task but deep pressure therapy is huge especially for someone with anxiety that's a very grounding task that can be done almost anywhere in across the board whether you're in a wheelchair whether you're able to walk whether you know you're out in public whether you're at home you know that's that's definitely a task that I think a lot of people benefit from um and it's also something that you can keep yourself out of the way of the general public like you can find somewhere you know that's off in a corner or whatever or Whatever situation, if you need to sit down for a little bit, if you're feeling really anxious, you feel like there's going to be a panic attack coming on or, you know, whatever stems, however that evolves for you um, and have your dog assist. Yeah. Deep pressure therapy. Um, I know that's very generic, but I, I think that's a really tried and true one. I love that one. Did you know what I just found out? I had a trainer friend tell me that depending on how it is, deep pressure therapy as a singular task, mm-hmm. all the dog knows, has not always stood up in court. Oh, interesting. Because if the dog recognizes that you need it and moves into and does it, yeah. that's okay. And that on its own is a task. Is a task. However, if when you need it, you constantly have to call the dog over yeah. to do it, that does not count as much. I could honestly, you know. It makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. And. I think that just goes to show the importance of making sure that you have a, an impeccably trained dog. Totally. You know, because it's not just a matter of looking good in the public eye and, like, you know, helping yourself as well. You know, you don't want to be a problem in public and you want to be able to improve your own health diagnosis or whatever you're going through. And you can't do that if you have a dog that's not able to do that. Correct. And there's also the side of, you have to stay within the legal guidelines. Yeah, yeah. ADA is ADA for a reason. ADA, not ADI. Yeah. ADI can go jump in a lake right now. Yeah. But ADA, um, the dog has to be test trained to help. So just the act that your dog is there is not a task and does not make your dog a service dog. The only thing is, I just feel more comfortable when my dog's around. That doesn't count. Well, that starts to go into the emotional support argument. Which we've already delved into on the legal side of things is that's not an actual service dog. Yeah. Yeah, we need to have a task that the dog has been trained to perform. And I guess that's with the the deep pressure therapy. When you have to call the dog over every time, why it doesn't cut. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Makes perfect sense, though. I actually had somebody try to tell me, and this was for PTSD, 
that the dog wearing a backpack, which might hold medication or an EpiPen, is enough to be a service dog task. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, you might as well just carry around your own purse and everything. At right. That man point. purse. Yeah, a little man purse. Like, I don't know why you would want a dog to do that for you. Right? Like, let's just add a 60-pound-ish weight to everything instead of just, you know, like, putting it in my pocket or wearing a backpack or a purse or a fanny pack or something. Right. Pockets rock for reasons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I also was told that, for example, the the calming, soothing, therapeutic grooming of a dog... Mm. Was enough to make it a service dog. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, my eyes just got bugged out of my head. And it was all I could do to not say, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That's not how things go. That's not how any of this works. No. I wonder if I could, like, try that with getting on the plane, you know, if I had, like, my service dog human, you know, and they would brush my hair or something. It was, like, the calm, dear pet, you know. Right therapeutic benefits of having my hair brushed or like vice versa you know whatever and like if they could fly for free now because these ticket prices are getting outrageous right and the cancellations and everything oh my gosh it's insane yeah yeah we've been i flew luke flew and then my nephew flew down to visit and everybody had some sort of issue with the flight no one had a smooth down and back Mm. at all I think that's also something, though, to really consider. If you have anxiety and you travel a lot or you're going to be traveling a lot with your service dog, you have to really factor in the airport as well. Because that itself is, even for handlers that don't have anxiety, I think that's very anxiety-inducing. Yes, Traveling with a service dog through an airport. Um, and with all the cancellations these days from weather or from lack of crew for the flights or whatever... You know, yeah, it turns into a very long day that is unexpected. Well, since my nephew was coming down and he was traveling as an unattended minor uh-huh. and flying down from the Midwest, I think it's the Midwest, and was supposed to come into Orlando, was rerouted to Jacksonville because we had lightning storms in the area. Oh, wow. And his phone died because well, he's, he's a kid and that's what happens whenever, you know. And and then we he had to come up here and of course you can't walk to the gate. No. Yay nine eleven, right? You can't do that anymore. Yeah. You haven't been able to do that for like years. This whole generation. Yeah. So we you know, we're waiting for him and waiting for him, you know, in the car and mm-hmm. ended up going out to eat and shopped at Alta and nice. shopped at Michael's. Nice. You know, luckily there are some stores that wasn't in the airport, but you know, it's it's weird. And then to have a service dog on top of that, like what if the dog had a potty? What if, what if, what if, you know, that just, it can compound, not just improve, depending. And like, I've been in the airport with my service dog and our flight canceled, you know, and we only had originally like an hour and a half layover. So it was plenty of time for us to like go from our one gate, because our first flight was only 30 minutes, go to the next gate, you know, hour and a half, wait, get on the plane, the next flight was an hour. So you know, I pottied my dog before we got on the first flight. And, like, right before boarding, you know, I went out to the potty area, let him potty, then went back to the gate, boarded the plane. So, we weren't having, we weren't planning to have another potty break until we landed. Because it was going to be, you know, like, two, three hours. So, that was plenty of time. But, 
the flight delayed so long. It delayed, I think, like six hours. And this airport, the potty area, I forget what airport we were in. Maybe it was Dallas or something, which if you fly through Dallas, the potty, the potty stations in Dallas are horrendous. They smell horrible. They are not that common across the airport. You know, uh, you have to take a train to get to them. And oh, gosh. There's a lot of pets that go through them. Um, a lot of yappy dogs. So, you know, we had to go there and it was horrendous. My dog didn't want to pee there because it was so foul smelling. You could smell it down the hallway before you even got there. Yeah. You know, and that that itself was very anxiety inducing. I bet. So. Yeah. You know, that's, I think these are all factors though that you have to take into consideration when you have anxiety and you're thinking about a service dog that it can actually make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but deep pressure therapy is a good one. Um, yeah. What else? Grounding is another one. Now, grounding is not deep pressure therapy. No. Neither are hugs. No. Yeah. So deep pressure therapy is coming across the lap from either direction mm-hmm. uh, and applying on those pressure points. Now, that shouldn't hurt either. I had some person who, who was telling me about how much it hurt when their dog did it. And I'm like, well, let me see how you're doing it. And you weren't doing it right. So we were able to help that. And then she's like, this is totally different. So just because you see something doesn't mean you're doing it right whenever you're doing. I think that's with anything, you know, with yeah. working out. You know, if you see something and you're trying to do it, you may not actually be working the right muscles. Right. You know. Um, yeah, I think grounding is a good one, too. And Yeah. And then the hugs, and then that helps with even that, like, core-to-core contact. Yeah. Uh, you can do remind to take meds. You could do go get meds. Yeah. If you do go get help, because some people like go get help, Please, please, please have it be like in the house, go get help from somebody in the household. This isn't go find a random weirdo at the store and bring him to you to help you because random weirdos at the store don't know what to do. No matter how many times you say, if a random, if a stranger service dog comes up to you, it means follow me to the owner. Or does it mean kidnap the dog and human nap the person and steal everything that they have? Well, and that's, I think that's something else to keep into consideration here. You know, it's a very different time in the world. And you see a lot more of younger women getting kidnapped. You see... um, There's a lot of of signs in Orlando area in the bathrooms, you know. Especially here in Florida, there's been a lot of problems with human trafficking. Um, You also see, too, there's an uptick in people stealing nice dogs like good looking dogs yeah or even some that aren't so good looking yeah i mean just dogs in general just dogs in general well-behaved dogs yeah those bless your heart dogs Mm -hmm. i mean but it's it's one of those things like do you really want your dog going up to a stranger you may you you don't know in fact and your dog may not come back what if your dog goes up to a stranger and he you know he doesn't kidnap him what if he just kicks him what if he ignores him? What if your dog's trying to get the attention and he's just getting ignored? And so your dog, like, barks at him and then, you know, something weird happens. Right. So I don't like that one. Yeah, I don't. That just, to me, it, I feel like that's a very dangerous slope to be going down. Yes. Yeah, I never recommend that. Yeah. Never, never. Like I said, if even to say, for example, teach Bert to go get rich. Yeah. Because we live together. We work together. Right. We're together more than most couples are. Yeah. What if Rich is on the outside of the fence? Because we have a fence around the dog yard. Right. What if he's on the outside of the fence? What if Rich decided he had to go to the dump or he had to go pick up goat feed or whatever? Uh, and he goes out of the fence. Yeah. Or what if the door's shut? We have two doggy doors. We have six doors in our house that lead outside, which no one believes me until they count them. 
And two of those doors, on the storm door, we have a doggy door. So if it's open, the dogs can go in and out and potty when they want to. And they're usually one of them's open, but not always. But what if one of them shot? And I'm like, go get rich. And he's trying his darndest to go get rich and he can't. And he's going to get frustrated then too. And then maybe he's busy trying to figure out how to do that or how to, you know, climb through a window or eat through drywall to do it. Bert wouldn't, but I'm Alan yeah. would. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right? But instead he could come back and help me and be there for me. He could provide a medical response, a medical recovery. He could do medical alert. I noticed I have a... I'm trying to protect privacy here. I have a friend who I watched them have a, a panic attack episode. And I could see the escalation going. Mm-hmm. You know, like started here. Yeah. Started with um, fidgeting a little bit. And was breathing then. And then it was, you know, turning red and getting angry. And then tightening and tensing up. But it was a whole progression. And, you know, what if your dog was trained that whenever he saw you starting to do that fidgeting, he interrupted you? Right. That would be a great task for somebody. Well, behavior interruption, I think, is a great solution, especially if you have anxiety and you have these indicators before a panic attack like that. Yeah. That's a great way to help stop the problem before it becomes a problem. And you might not know what your indications are. You know, so I do tell people, talk to friends, talk to family and ask them. And, and it's happened before where, you know, they're sitting, you know, we're sitting talking. And they're like, well, I don't have any. And the, the friend or family member that they're with, with kind of just laughs and says, oh, yes, you do. Yeah, like this is actually what you do leading up to it. And then they're like, oh, well, great. And it's it could be anything, you know, it could be fidgeting. It could be, you know, like scratching your skin. It could be a whole long list of things that you could then train the dog to interrupt yeah yeah and if you know about classical conditioning and how to train using classical conditioning this stuff's a heck of a lot easier yeah because that's the new comes before the old right so if if the dog has a command right the dog will maybe nose bump you right you teach him a, a hand target or he gets up into your lap that deep pressure therapy I don't do a bark and I don't do a paw alert because... I think that's one that... They're, they're silly. Yeah, they can be silly with them. They, you know, when they, whenever you're teaching something new, they can try to offer old behaviors and that might be one they just consistently start defaulting to. Right? Well, we had one of our pups was flying it. I think she was only five months old. And uh, at the airport and some kids were teasing her and she barked at them. One bark and that was enough. And the airline said, nope, you're not... Your dog has to fly as a pet. Yeah. underneath and they ended up driving from one of those midwestern states back here to florida mm-hmm. and you know like because of one bark so like i don't want i don't like the bark now if if yeah. need be there have been there's like one dog that i can think of off the top of my head that will be trained in a bark alert because of what's going on with the medical condition yeah i mean but there's there's so there's always exceptions right but by and large i don't like that i don't like a paw because um, if you don't keep up with your dog's nails, which you should, you have a service dog, it should be at least a weekly thing for you to dremel your dog's nails. But you don't want scratches up and down your leg. Mm-mm. You don't want your dog, you know, whacking you with his foot. Well, not only that, you don't want to cause any problems for your dog. You know, long nails over time can really change your dog's gait, can change, um, you know, a whole list of things for your dog's health, which you really should just try to avoid entirely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's I like a nose bump. 
Those boops are really nice for yeah. alerts. But if the dog knows the nose bump, right? He knows your your target, your hand target, or whatever you're using, target stick. And he knows that. What you do is you put the new before the old. So instead of saying, you know, like nose bump, you do whatever. You know, I want to interrupt when I start, you know, picking at my skin, right? So you fake picking at your skin, and then you ask for that behavior. But you have to do it. Your timing has to be right with it. There has to be a little pause between them. So it'd be like scratch, 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 pause, ask for that behavior that you want, ask for that hand target, ask for that nose boob where it is. And as the dog puts it together, he's like, oh, you're scratching. I know it's going to mean that you're asking for a hand target. And he does. And he figures it out. And then scratch, scratch, scratch means he's going to get the nose boob. And then you get to work on things like if you push the dog away, he keeps coming back until you do what you need to do. Uh, but it's a really, really brief. If you want more, do our online course. We have a bunch of videos on how to do that stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, what else? I think then when you're, you know, if you decide that, yes, the service dog would help me, you know, and you talk it over with whoever your medical professional is, um, there's, you got to move on to the next step, right? So that's selecting a breed. Right? I want a really cool breed, like the badass breed. Oh, yeah, like a shepherd. Shepherd Malinois hyena cross. Oh, wow. Yeah, shepherd Malinois doodle cross. Ooh. Yeah, you got to get the doodle in there. Maloodle. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people forget when they're selecting breeds that there is the primary list of dogs for a reason that are used by large programs which are goldens and laps yeah the standard poodles also kind of started to make its way in as well and there's a reason for that it's especially if you're talking about handlers with anxiety it's because these dogs are not easily influenced by their handler's emotional state golden retrievers are golden rays of sunshines on four legs that is so true. They're always happy. They're always just happy-go-lucky, easy family dogs. Yeah. Very trainable, very fittable. Yeah. And some dogs are baking soda dogs that they absorb their handler's emotions. And that is not what you want when you're looking for a dog for anxiety. You want that happy-happy. Yeah. And there's always exceptions. But that's so hard to find. You know, when you're looking at a dog for anxiety and you see people picking herding breeds you know whether it's a german shepherd whether it's a malinois whether it's a border collie border collie you know there's a whole long list australian shepherd um there's so many things that could go wrong and you're already setting yourself for an uphill battle to training your service dog which you know for some, sure, maybe that will work out fine, but there's a high risk of that dog not working out because the dog feeds off the handler's emotions. If you're in an anxious state, the dog actually might become very anxious as well for no reason. It's like for anybody who's ridden horses, you know, he stayed calm and collected under pressure and stuff, the horse will stay calm and collected. Uh, it's very applicable to dogs as well. You start anxiety there with too, huh? Yeah, <laughs> anxiety, you start start freaking out. You know, your dog might start freaking out. I've met plenty of other mini American Shepherds where you get in a really aroused state where you start, like, being amped up for no reason, and the dog just gets amped up and goes crazy. And it's 
you know, it's so interesting to see how quick the dog will switch to match your exact emotional state. Whether you're upset, the dog is going to be upset and be laying at the foot of the bed. Like, you know, for no reason. It's just going to be sad and droopy and, you know, or if you're like bebopping around all over the place, the dog's going to be bebopping around all over the place. Or you're anxious, all of a sudden the dog is anxious and is barking at everything willy-nilly. Yeah, well, they often say that, what is it, tension travels up and down the leash. So if you're feeling anxious and you clench up that leash, the dog feels it traveling right down that leash. Yeah. And it's true. It's very true. Dogs are very intuitive animals. Yeah, yeah, they've developed alongside us for how many years before we started making them into funky breeds. It's true. I mean, but I think that just goes to show the importance of taking your time to research the breed that's going to fit your lifestyle and your needs the most. And oftentimes, a lot of those boxes can be checked by a lab or a golden. Or a golden or a lab. Yeah. Put goldens first. There you go. (laughs) Where they belong. There you go. Right? Uh, And people will tell me, well, I want a lab because golden shed too much. And I just laugh because they both shed the same. Do you just want nice, soft, beautiful, wavy Longer hairs or short little hard lab hairs? I'm going to be honest. I, at least from the Goldens and the labs I've had, the labs shed like crazy. Insane amounts of hair everywhere. I did not have as much of a shedding problem with my Goldens. Nope. Because they're awesome. Yeah. I did make an effort to try and brush them at least every day. But still, the, the shedding was not as bad it, there's still a lot of hair yeah yeah and some of them are more than others like for us here albert being from field lines has less coat than our show line girls but he also has higher energy and higher drive so the show line girls are pretty much more mellow and laid back right but they have more coat and they're a little bit bigger and stockier and sturdier he is travel size he's like 59 pounds that's the highest he's ever been i'd like for him to see 60 pounds at some point but i don't know if that's going to happen so mm-hmm. we'll maybe send him out to mom and dad's for a little bit there you go <laughs> let him have the spoiled grandparents treatment right and that's they only have the one dog out there now molly because we have princess here and uh they were telling me today that molly's all sad because she's the only dog out there because they don't have princess i'm like well that's okay molly is gonna be fine it's gonna be okay right and if we weren't working with bert with the scent and otter with the scent i'd send one of them out yeah and but you know that's and the next outing's otter and cajun so i'm like well we'll see what happens do you want ninja he can come visit (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh okay so goldens and labs but what if you want something smaller shane so if you're wanting something smaller, I think the tricky part is with smaller dogs, there are so many things to take in consideration. If Let's just go ahead and put on the table that you're going through a reputable breeder who's doing all the appropriate breed health testing, who is breeding for temperament, and is doing some kind of puppy raising program like... Yeah, puppy development programs are good. We I like yes. Avidog more than puppy culture. Yes. There's a whole bunch of weird ones that are coming out. Badass breeders and like six rules and like pff, just yeah. Avidog's the best. Avidog is a great one. 
you know, but if they're at least doing puppy culture. Yeah, do something that doesn't traumatize the dog. Yeah, just something. Uh, For me, I personally really like chihuahuas, well-bred chihuahuas. I think there's a lot of potential there, especially when you're looking for a well-bred one that has very stable temperaments in the lines. You know, the breeder doesn't have a lot of issues with the dogs being high anxiety. They're just mellow, chill house pets. I typically will say a chihuahua for some people, just because it fits the lifestyle the best. And if they want a little dog, oftentimes they're looking for like a little, little dog who is trainable, fittable, all night errands. Who's like a little mini, like a pocket dog. Yeah. I do, I also actually really like Cocker Spaniels um, and some other Spaniels. But again, it really comes down to doing your research when you're selecting a breeder because some dogs, especially Cocker Spaniels, are more prone to health issues. And you have to factor that in, you know. Um, What is it, the King Charles Spaniel? Yeah, I love the King Charles Cavalier. Yeah, those are... Those are lovely, but they also have, I think it's heart problems, don't they? Um, stringomyalgia is what I want to call it, where their brain grows too big for their skull. Oh, yeah, that's right. So hopefully breeders would make, because that's what I thought mom and dad would do really good with. And I was like, you need one of these. And where do you find, if you're going to say, well, I want one of those, oh, I don't know how to find a good breeder. Usually if you go to an AKC group or breed club, so that would be like the Mid-Florida Golden Retrievers Club I'm a member of. Right, so that's a breed-specific one in my area. But I used to be a member of the Greater Gainesville Dog Fanciers Association. Well, that was all AKC dogs whenever I was up in Gainesville. Right, so there's two different types of AKC club. But if you look up AKC club in your area, you might find it. You might have to look at the whole state. Um, you know, if you're state over, yeah, the breed, but yeah, but they have a list of puppy people. Yeah, even if you look up, so for example, like. I'm big into Mini American Shepherds. So for me, I would look up Mini American Shepherd Club of America. There you go. And it would come up with a list of breeders and I could see which ones are closest to me. They often have to follow the breed club rules and health guidelines for all their breeding dogs. So they're already coming from a standard instead of just finding a random breeder on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, that's a great place to start. Find out, you know, talk to the breeder. Don't ask them how much the puppies are right away. It's as rude. Um, but check out their website. And don't be surprised if it looks like something from the 80s. Their websites are terrible yeah. for a lot of the breeders. Ours aren't. Ours is really nice at HopeServiceDogs.org. But many breeders have terrible websites with really outdated information. So you don't know if they're actively breeding. So reach out to them. Email them. Call them. Yeah. yeah. Some of them really like a phone call. You know, yeah. They're old school. Yeah. You know, just be respectful. Leave a nice voicemail. Yeah. You'll find out, you know, how, how the breeding's going. You know, like if they're planning any litters. If they have, if they do a wait list, some do wait list, some don't. Um, you know, ask about the dogs that they have. Like what breedings they're planning. Uh, you should be able to take their AKC name and look them up on OFA and see the, you know, the proof of the health testings up there. Which is important to do. Just because somebody is showing their dogs doesn't mean that they're actually health testing their dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And just because somebody says, because I've seen it, and I don't want to say some of the doodle breeders, but that's where I've seen it. And I've also seen it in some of the just crummy breeders, too, where they'll say that the dog has fully complete health testing. 
No, the dog has a genetic panel done. Right. I mean, I've seen that with many Americans, and I've also seen that with uh, standard poodles. Really? Yeah, I've seen it That's with standard poodles. There's some standard poodle breeders out there that show, but then, and they claim that they do health testing, and they've only done just like an embark panel, and that's it they haven't done even as anything as basic as hips and elbows yeah oh my gosh that's that's not right and then oftentimes they have snazzy looking websites too yeah they do have the gimmicky flash and trash websites right you know and one thing that i've seen uh i don't do the new vet supplements if somebody Mm. if i if part of the contract is that I have to feed the dog a certain food or do a certain supplement for the first use. Like, we have guidelines. If you're having problems, I'm going to say, like, hey, why don't you look at switching your food? But you can talk to my canine wellness consultant. Um, you know, but if, if you have to, for them to honor the warranty, feed this, eh, no, that's not. Especially if it's, like, a, a multi-level marketing tiered thing yeah. where I'm going to get a kickback. Yeah. Like, if I tell you you have to feed this, I'm not getting a kickback from it. I don't get a kickback from, from foods. No. Yeah, especially those vitamins. Yeah. That, that, that's been pretty popular in a lot of herding breeds, I think, for a little bit. Okay. That's not good. No. Oh, excuse me. It is late, and I didn't get a nap today, so you get a tired Vicky. I'm lying down with my feet up while we're talking here. We finished our brownies and our ice cream, though. Yeah, that was good. It was really good. You did a really nice job with those brownies. Thanks. I was a little worried I left them in too long. I was like, whoop. <laughs> we get distracted. <laughs> well, we were doing the scent work, and I was paying attention too much because I was curious to see if he could find where we hit it, and uh, I ignored the timer and then realized that, oh, wait, we have brownies in. Let me go. <laughs> That's what that those. timer's for? Yeah. <laughs> so we have Alexa. We set our timers with her, and sometimes like they'll, they'll go off, and I don't know what they're going off for. You saw tonight. Luke likes to put them on and then set it for another five minutes and another five minutes, but mm-hmm. then he doesn't hear them. Yeah. And I'm like, you have a phone, like, set your timer on your phone if you're going to do that. But it's happened before. But sometimes you can tell her, you know, set a five-minute timer for whatever. Right. And then you, you kind of know a little bit more. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what other, I'm trying to think of what other little dogs I like. And what ones I've seen that I've had. Like, because they're, they're a little different. Yeah. I mean, I like, I'm partial to many American Shepherds. But if we're talking about little dogs for anxiety, that's not a breed I typically recommend. Right. Um, just because they are herding dogs, while I am very partial to the breed and think they're fantastic and they're a very well-rounded dog, they do have a lot of herding drive. <laughs> and already, some of them can be very anxious already on their own. Right. And they also have that guardian aspect that you have to take in consideration too, which is not always something you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've worked with a couple Chinese crests that I've really liked. I, you know, I've actually started to see more and more of those. And I've not had any personal experience with them, but they are very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I had a friend had a, one or two, and then I've, I've trained one or two. Not for service work, but, but yeah. I like them. I would be very interested to work with some of those in the future. Right. They, they're a very interesting breed. Especially if you do the ones with the little powder puffs. Oh my gosh, those are so cute. Where they're like half makey. And they look like My Little Ponies. Yes, they really do. I think that's so fun. <laughs> yeah. I, if somebody's on here that has a crested, we need to see you Photos. make them like a little My Little Pony for Halloween or something. Oh my god. Yes. yes. That would be so cute. Yes. Um, yeah. That's what if they die the dog, I'd be like, you'd have to. I'm sorry to interrupt, but whoever has a picture of 
of a Halloween costume for a little dog where it's like them running around with little legs and stuff. <laughs> where they hold the package and they... Yeah. yeah, yeah, where it looks like, you see their, their head sticking out and it looks like their little legs and arms sticking out and it's... You've seen those pictures. That's, that's the we best did that costume with, uh, We did that with Sparkles when she used yeah, to come up with me at the airport when we were working up there. We would do a lot of training at the airports and we had uh, one where we would take her over to the UPS facility at the airport and she would get to come around and hang out and work around all the different sites and everything. And she had a little UPS uniform with the little arms and the like little legs and then holding a package in the front of her. Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> she was not impressed, but... But we thought it was funny, it so was it was okay. so adorable. <laughs> oh, gosh. Best costumes ever. Yeah. yeah you think so? Yeah. I don't know. I like the hot dog costumes, too. I do like the hot dog costumes. Hot dog costumes? It's like the bun and the dog's the hot dog. Like the hot dog truck? No. No, just a hot dog. But anyway, um, other little dogs and then big dogs. If you want like a giant dog, it's hard because for, especially for anxiety, I don't recommend any guardian breed for, I mean, for service dogs in general, I don't recommend guardian breeds, but I totally don't recommend for this one. Also, I think you have to decide. I know there's a lot of other factors that we may not be thinking of right now, but when you're getting a large, giant dog like that, you know, not only are you dealing with the shortened lifespan, but there's a lot more health problems that start to pop up there. Yeah. And I think most of them are guardian-type dogs. Yeah. Well, you could say, like, Newfoundland might not be, but then you have all that fur and that drool, and I don't think that's nice to take a dog that big and furry and drooly out anywhere in public because they're gross. They need little drool mats. Yeah. Like, you get your fanny pack, and you get your golf towels. You can wipe off the drool. Oh. We've had them come to group class. I remember those, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you have to have this with you all the time. Yeah, and they're cool dogs, but I, it, it's not for me. Especially in Florida. They need to be jumping in, a you know, the pool to save the kid's life all the time. Up in Newfoundland, not down in Florida. Yeah. It's just too hot for them. Um, and, and it's harder to travel with them. You know, we had to fly, and Bert fit underneath the seat in front of me with no problem. But a giant dog would not have been able to. Which could also be really stressful for the handler. And if you already have anxiety, that could cause a whole meltdown just around yeah. that one fact. Because it's not always guaranteed you'll get the bulkhead. No! You might have to cram into a little seat, and there's a bunch of strangers around you. Yeah. And if your dog's not fitting... You know, it can be a whole other problem. That dog's been barking but, all night. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other things you could really think about. Maybe not all night. Yeah. One of the two of them just figured out their voice and then just... Saw yeah. Yeah. A couple of them have decided that if I bark and it's... They just were out to potty. They don't need to go out and potty. They're just barking to hear themselves bark. So we'll just try to extinguish the behavior. Oh. Which is never fun. It's always hard when you have to wait it out. Yeah. It's not fun. But yeah, and then they, um, big dogs eat more. They poop more. They're giant poops. Giant poops. A lot of food. Yeah. So that's why Golden's at mm, 60 to 80, 85 pounds. Perfect size. You want a big one? Get a big one. You want a small one? Get a small one. Yeah. Straightforward. Right? Anything else to add as we wrap this up, Shane? I think that's pretty much just a, a good basic of 
when you're thinking about getting a service dog for anxiety some examples of tasks and breeds really yeah and then here's gonna be the final thing to end it on is whenever i talk to people for this sometimes they are students sometimes they are middle school high school college students you Mm -hmm. know one one of them not all three at once yeah uh do you want to take the dog to school with you yeah are you in public school or are you in private school uh i have an easier time for my clients well i don't have an easier time they have an easier time whenever they're in college right or they're doing down here you could do like your senior year of high school whenever you're in college Mm -hmm. right and so like you get credits and then you you basically graduate with your associate's degree right so like that is a lot easier to do than if you're going to go to a public middle school with a service dog and all those hooligans true because you also whenever you're going through a public school you have to get it on your uh, plan yeah iep right your, your iep you have to go through the whole school system process of getting it on your iep that you have a service dog and going through all these hoops to do so which they're going to want your parents involved because you are a minor yeah and uh, and that's not even a hat wearing go digging in for gold and diamonds in no, the mines I mean, minor that's i've known some minor. parents that have spent months on trying to get it put onto their child's iep and it's still a lot of work and still the school can decide you know okay well we need a parent there to help handle the dog if the kid is not of a certain age or is not completely able yeah yeah and I feel for the schools because I feel like they're put in a really hard spot for some of these. You know, some of ours has gone to, to school and the dogs do great. Yeah. Right? Like, so this isn't everyone, but it's something that we do raise and discuss. Like, what age of the dog do you plan on sending the dog to school with the kid? Do you plan on it, you know, eight weeks old, sending the dog to school with the kid? Because that's not going to happen. Do you plan on doing it at six months old? Do you think in a year old the dog's going to be able to handle that? Because they might not be able to. You know, so what is it age-wise of the kid, age-wise of, or the person, age-wise of the dog? Um, Skill level, you know, the kid's there to learn. Right, you don't want the dog to be a distraction. And, you know, I think a lot of times, too, the dog becomes not only a distraction for the kid who's the handler, but for all the other children around them, and then they just start to pester the handler or it could also be a source of bullying yeah very true you know very um, true when you're talking about a kid with anxiety that i think it makes it a lot worse it just is something that could be avoided and whether you know you have dog and it just doesn't go to school with the kid yeah it it waits at home and whenever the kid comes home or the kid goes and meets him on the bus or you know in the bus or picks up with the parent right yep Yep, yep. But something to definitely keep in mind. Yeah. With everything else that Shane just mentioned. So Shane, where can people find you? Are you on social media? I am on social media. So people can find me. Uh, my social media tag is Fetch Help. And we are a nonprofit. And my personal Instagram is Stage Pause. You can find me on Instagram. Our website is FetchHelp.org. So. Fetch Help. Like the dogs play Fetch and they go Fetch Help. H-E-L-P dot org. So that's us. Right. Perfect. And then, you know me, I'm Victoria with Hope Service Dogs. Shane's actually one of our board members and one of our trainers for Hope. Uh, I snagged her into that a long time ago. Yeah. It's been been here since the beginning. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's we've known each other for a while. Um, 
which is always good. But ours is hopeservicedogs.org. I have a link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash hope, H-O-P-E, and then S-D for service dog, hope S-D. Our link tree has links to everything. And one of the things we started doing are the service dog adventures. We had a little one yesterday and Shane got to come. I haven't seen her in, I think, about a year and a half. Yeah, about almost two years. So, you know, I got to see her yesterday. She surprised me while I was in Sephora. And we've been hanging out ever since. So, I'll see how long I get to keep her here. You might get another podcast with her. But if not, follow her. Um, see what she's doing. They're going to be updating the fetchhelp.org website. So, make sure you check that out and drop her a line and say, hey. Because she's doing some really awesome humanitarian work that totally needs done. So, we're going to sign off. And I hope you have a super awesome week.